Yo, yo, yo. Back, back at it. Episode 9. Episode 9. Like, right now, I can just remember all the numbers to, like, every episode right now. But eventually, it'll get hard, you know, to, like, remember these uh, numbers to, like, these episodes or whatever. But episode 9, I believe, of talking to myself very well. I definitely have some topics I definitely want to talk about. Probably be a little bit less basketball, but I definitely... I always find a way to talk some hoops and stuff. So, and the playoffs has has been very entertaining. Pardon me if you're hearing a little bit of noise or whatever. It's people very loud outside. You know, it's back warm out. People loud with their cars and everything. So, you know how it'd be. But I first want to talk about real quick. The first thing I have to talk about, and it kind of coincides like the timeline of this past weekend or whatever, this Jack Harlow album. Jack Harlow, very popular rapper from Kentucky, dropped uh, his second album, I believe, Come Home, The Kids Miss You. Um, and to be honest, this is my first album of Jack Harlow that I've ever listened to. Um, so I was definitely going to listen to it. Like, his last album definitely had hype behind it, sold a little bit, but the only song that I've ever like heard was was popping. And that song, I'm going to be honest, wasn't good enough to make me like really want to listen to his whole album. But I had, like, no opinion of him. I just thought he was, like, this, you know, cool, you know, this cool, you know, white rapper, you know, seemed like he will be cool to hang out with. And that was pretty much it. That's all I really had to talk about when talking about Jack Harlow. But this album has so much hype surrounding it. I'm like, you know what? I have to at least give it a listen and check it out. Have, you know, high, you know, I won't say high hopes, but just give it a chance, you know. So, first of all, listen to that album. I'll be not really doing like a track by track breakdown. I don't really feel like I have to do that for this album. Not because my opinion of the album, like because I don't like the album. It's more so just because I just don't really think, you know, I don't know. It's just other things I want to make sure that I get to right now. So I'll, I'll just say this. I think Jack Harlow is not a bad rapper. Let me first say that. He's not a bad rapper. But what I will say is he definitely has a lot of room to grow. But on top of having a lot of room to grow, I came to this thought of like, first of all, clearly from interviews and everything, Jack Harlow wants to be a superstar rapper. He wants to be this huge A-list rapper, you know, this this superstar, basically. And I definitely understand that. Like, I could definitely see why you would want to be that level of a rapper, obviously, for, you know, obvious reasons. But what comes with that is clearly he's showing it within his music. His music doesn't really have no... Somehow, he's not like straight up biting, you know, somebody. I hear a lot of people say he sounds like Drake a lot, and that makes sense. But I don't get the feel that he's just straight up biting anybody in the industry. But I do as well get the feeling of like, man, like this is just so like over like commercial. Like there's no risk taken at all with any of the production on the album. Now, that's not a bad thing, you know, but... You know, because the beats aren't bad on the album, in my opinion, but there's just no risk taken with with the beats. They're all mid-tempo, no real changes to the beats, you know. If you're a fan of, like, beat switches, there ain't many beat switches on, on that album. Even though I'm not the kind of person that just think a beat switch just makes the whole album or whatever. But anyways, there's no real beat switches or nothing like that. Just the, the production, while not bad, again, is no real, you know, so that's one problem. Second problem is just Jack Harlow's songwriting. He uses the same, like, clearly to my point of him really wanting to be popular, he has these very short verses, because that's the thing now. You don't want to rap too long on a song. So he has these short verses, and he's trying to be really catchy with these hooks, you know, and it's just like, 
I don't know. It's just so bland to me. Like, if I had to describe the Jack Harlow album as, like, food, the analogy I would say is the Jack Harlow is a piece of bread. Just a plain piece of bread. Ain't no mayo on top of it. Ain't no peanut butter, no jelly. Just a plain slice of bread. That's what I would describe the Jack Harlow album as. I really don't have, like, nothing to really pull from from it. Like, I don't think I learned anything new about Jack Harlow. Like, he talks about his struggles of fame and having to deal with the pressure of being famous and stuff. But that's not something that I learned, like, new about Jack Harlow. Like, that's something that I could have already assumed. Or, you know what I mean? Like, that's not... You're not teaching me anything about you. Not saying I have to learn this deep secret about Jack Harlow, but he just don't... He don't dig... He doesn't dig into these topics deep enough at all, which, again, appeals to, like that more mainstream commercial type audience so where you don't really have to dig you know really deep into any topics you don't have to really tell a story you don't really have to try to you know what i mean like i i don't know i would say there are a few good songs on the album i won't say the entire album is bad like i thought the drake song was good not just because of drake which obviously drake was the star of that song but i think jack harlow sounded good on that record I thought he rapped better on that song. I thought his flow, while it was still very the same as it was throughout the entire album, I would say his flow was uh sounded good over that beat. I would say another song that was good on the album was the song with uh Timberlake actually. The Justin Timberlake song was actually good in my opinion. I thought Justin Timberlake sounded good. That was as good as I've granted, I don't listen to Justin Timberlake often. But that was about as good as I've heard Justin Timberlake in a while. I thought the beat was good. I thought, you know, again, Jack Harlow's going to give a very short verse where he's not really rapping. You know, like, it's very, very low-level rhyming on this album. That's why I am low-key interested to check out Jack Harlow's earlier work because I would love to figure out, has he rapped better than this? Like, I have to talk to some Jack Harlow supporter, fan, or whatever. Like, has he rapped better than this? Has he rapped different than this in the past? I would love to figure that out. Hold on. Sorry. I would love to figure that out, though. Like, I, I would love to figure out, has Jack Harlow rapped um, better in the past? Like, has he rapped differently or whatever? But anyways, I thought that song was pretty good. Uh, the Poison song with Lil Wayne was cool. I thought the last song on the album, that might have been my favorite. Outside of the Drake song, but that might have been my favorite song on the album. Like, Jack Harlow, it's a standalone track. It's the, you know, I don't want to call it the outro, but the last song on the album. And I thought he rapped with more passion. He's, you know, again, talking about struggling with dealing with fame and his family and that struggle of wanting to be famous. and dealing, But it came off genuine, though. Like, obviously, rappers have rapped about struggling with fame and not liking it. That's nothing new at all. But I thought it was still entertaining on the song because he was still genuine enough to, like, brag about being famous as well. Like, I'm not about to just talk about the struggles of being famous. I'm going to also shit on you in the process and talk about this money and talk about how y'all hate on me because the woman loved me and stuff, which I have an opinion on that, by the way. But yeah, this Jack Harlow album, what I would say about it is it's clearly not for me. Far away from being an album for me, Again, I'll probably try to check out his older, you know, projects to see if there's anything different about it because he's clearly like like I said, really trying to be mainstream, really trying to be popular, appealing, accessible, all of those things above. But I get the feeling he will make this type of music regardless. It's similar to like Drake in, in that way of like Drake makes the he's making these albums over and over again clearly because 
it works for him. But on top of it, this is just the kind of music that he prefers to make, I feel like. I don't feel like Drake will ever give us this full rap album where he's just rapping over these hard rap beats. No, he's not going to do that because he really loves to make R&B music. He, he loves to make music for women. Like Drake has said this numerous times. So Jack Harlow, I will say the benefit of the doubt is I think he will make this type of music regardless even though he clearly strongly wants to be very famous, strongly wants to be mainstream, strongly wants a long career in the mainstream. You know what I mean? I wouldn't be surprised if Jack Harlow wants to win 10 Grammys. He wants to win 15 Grammys in his career. Like, I know every artist would probably like that, but he clearly really, really wants that for himself. And, you know, he's very popular. He has a hit song right now. So salute to Jack Harlow for doing what he sought out to do. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on is like, if you have like a girlfriend that's in high school, have a girlfriend that's in college, black or white, give her this Jack Harlow album. She legit might like this album. It makes sense why he has a strong woman fan base. Obviously, they think that he's attractive. But on top of that, this is the type of rap music that, yeah, I can see them. It's it's a very light album where, again, he's not It's very safe beats, you know, just typical rap beats. He has a very monotone flow. He doesn't change his voice and nothing like there's no risk at all. Like, he raps the same voice, using the same flow, rapping over the same kind of beats throughout the entire of the, the entire album. You know, and that's very redundant and boring to me. But I could see that appealing to somebody else. I could, I could see somebody like an 18-year-old girl or like a 22-year-old woman in college loving this album. And, they, you know, they have all the rights to love the album. So... I would say play this album for him. And I think that's a good thing for Jack Harlow. He has at least a target fan base to just cater to. I think a lot of younger artists in the industry, they fail because they don't really know who to exactly appeal to. So you're making this kind of music, but people don't want this type of music no more. Jack Harlow has a clear audience of that he could just feed this kind of music to. You know what I mean? That's something that benefits like a Drake. Like Drake knows exactly what his fan base wants to hear him say. They want these kind of beats on every album. They want the intro to sound like this. They want the outro to sound like this. Like he knows exactly future wants. He knows exactly what his fan base wants. That's important. So, um, yeah, I don't like the album at all. I wouldn't even rate the album. I don't do that. I'm not a music reviewer, but I just don't like the album. You know, one thing I also quickly before I move on, want to touch on is like I've been seeing people be like, well, y'all just hating on this Jack Harlow album because women love Jack Harlow. And I think that's crazy. I think that's crazy because men like Dirk music and women like Dirk has a strong woman fan base, but. I don't see men hating on Lil Durk because men think Lil Durk make good music. So he he uh he satisfies both genders, like women and men. Jack Harlow, I just think men legit don't like that. I'm like, of course with Twitter, you see it with Drake, see it with Kanye, with J. Cole, wait, multiple rappers. People like to slander albums and call it mid and call it trash and stuff. It is what it is. You know what I mean? Um but this Jack Harlow album, I would say, I think people legit just don't like the album. <laughs> I just think people legit, because the same way he clearly has an audience that will love this album, I could see somebody that's a Kendrick stan not liking this Jack Harlow album. I could see somebody that's a Future stan that's not going to like this album. Like, if I'm on Jack Harlow's team, I would tell him, like, there's a lot of hate for you on the internet. And while it is legit, in my opinion... Don't be mad at it because you're making the kind of music that, yeah, it's going to be a lot of rap fans that don't like this kind of music. Same way it's going to be a clearly a lot of rap fans that 
love this kind of music. Like, you just have to live with it or either change your music. You know what I mean? But as long as you're making this kind of rap music, this very commercial, generic, bland rap music, I know that might be a little too harsh to say, but that's the best way I, I can describe it. It's bland rap music. It's it's pop rap music. You know what I mean? You're going to have a certain group of people that every time you drop an album, they're going to hate on it. But you're also going to have a certain group of people that's going to love this album, that's going to buy your music, going to go to your show, going to buy a t-shirt, hoodie, whatever. So I just think people just legit don't like the album. I, I think the hate on Twitter is real. Like people just listen to the album. And they're like, yeah, this is very boring. You know, I think people understand that this just isn't the kind of album that's for them. Really, every type of album, you should have that kind of perspective on it. There's only a few albums that drop that get really popular that I just think is really trash. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, Hold on, hold on. I'm texting somebody. Hold on. Sorry about that. Um, So... The next thing I wanted to touch on was the Kendrick Lamar release. Just last night, we got the heart part, the heart part five from uh, Kendrick Lamar. As somebody that's been a big, you know, Kendrick fan for years, I know the whole uh, heart series and everything. So that's uh, and I was definitely like, you know what, I'm excited to, you know, uh, to like listen to this. Like I'm excited to listen to this and hear this. You know what I mean? So. Kendrick put out the uh, video. I'm like, okay, this video definitely interesting. Like, definitely interesting. This might be actually, yeah, this is the first. No, it's not the first because we had a video for the first heart, the heart part one, which is low key like my second heart. If I had to rank my two favorites, it's the heart part two and the heart part one. The heart part three is probably my least favorite. I know a lot of people love that, but that's probably my least favorite heart. Um, but Kendrick, I'm like, okay, this video is dope. The production, that Marvin Gaye sample was done very well. That That's so Kendrick-like, you know what I mean? That's so Kendrick-like. So I'm like, okay, bet. Then Kendrick just starts flowing. Like, I mean, he's just, I mean, his flow, granted, it's a typical, like, Kendrick-type flow damn near, but I, I thought the flow was great. He was flowing over the beat amazingly. And, you know, just the, the lyrics and the bars and the song, like, it was just amazing. It was just amazing. It's a great song. It is a great, great song. I don't know. While I say it's a great song, I don't know if I feel as strongly as, like, I think some other people do. But that is me with Kendrick. Like, I love Kendrick, but I'm not as huge of a Kendrick. Like, growing up, like, in high school, I used to listen to Sepimpa Butterfly every day sophomore year of high school. You know, like, every day. Like, that album dropped, I remember, March of 2015. I used to to listen to that album all first hour because I could listen to music in my first hour. All second hour because I could listen to music in my second hour. Like, I love that album. I I played Kendrick a lot more when I was younger. Um, But I still love Kendrick, you know, as an artist. I just rarely ever listen to him, you know. But so this song, while it's a great song, I doubt that I'll be listening to it again and again and again over and over and I doubt that it would even be on the album, but I think it was a dope song. I think it was a dope way to like roll out the album, the video, the guys that did the deep fakes. That was amazing. Like just to see how technology is being used in such a great way. You know, like that video might be voted video of the year. You know, how award shows love Kendrick. Award shows love Kendrick. So I could, I, I won't be surprised if Kendrick gets video of the year for that video. You know. 
but yeah the song was definitely dope it was a dope dope song um i know a lot of people touching on the uh deep fakes thing uh, uh, uh well the deep fakes thing but also the nipsey verse at the end of the song i thought that was dope i think it was a dope you know uh i mean he, he didn't really talk like if i knew kendrick was gonna rap from nipsey perspective as you know as nipsey and heaven talking to his fans and talking to his family that's you know i'm in heaven and talking to sam his brother telling him to you know show his interviews to his kids and telling the fans the you know investments and stuff and how you know it was very dope it was just very 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 dope i'm interested like i said the features on the album i'm expecting you know j-rock like i said probably scissor maybe isaiah rashad but i doubt isaiah rashad i just don't know if he will put them on the album. It would be dope, though, for sure. Don't get it twisted. I would love to hear another Kendrick Isaiah Rashad song. The one song they're on together was amazing. So um, I, I would love to hear that. But I'll probably say Schoolboy, J-Rock. Um, I do believe it, it's going to be a double disc, by the way. But I don't, know, I, don't know, I don't know. I don't know much more to say about it. It's just a dope song. I will say on Twitter... Usually I just bypass like bad tweets and like bad takes and you know, takes that are not accurate and that are not real. But the person on Twitter that was like, oh, uh, it's been funny how J. Cole has been looked at as the, the, the uh, insightful rapper in mainstream hip hop when Kendrick makes more insightful music. You can feel like Kendrick makes more insightful music all you want. But I was just so irritated by that tweet because, yeah, like, like, Okay, the main reason why I was irritated by the tweet, and I want to make sure I'm using my words very, very clear, because where the fuck did you get that Cole has been looked at as more insightful than Kendrick? For the past almost 10 years, Kendrick has been looked at as the most critically acclaimed, the best writer, the the best like the best album maker, the most creative mainstream rapper and mainstream hip hop for almost 10 years now, ever since Kendrick dropped Good Kid, Mad City and Trust me, I've been, I, I watch all the YouTube videos of, of people's opinions. I watch the reviews. I don't read internet reviews like that no more, but just Twitter discourse or like internet discourse. Kendrick has been easily the most praised, the most critically acclaimed rapper over the last almost 10 years. So the fact that you would slight Cole for something that's not even legit, like Cole legit gets hate for being not as deep as Kendrick for years. So how can you just now all of a sudden try to, revise history into making Kendrick this victim of like he's been looked down upon compared to Cole when it's been nothing short of like the total opposite bro like that shit like completely irritated me like and it's not because I'm like like trying to just defend one over the other it's more so because I'm just a rap fan and I understand that that is so false but people can just like say stuff that is just not true you know and just get retweets and get likes then people in the comment section is like it's uh, colorism uh, for Cole being looked at as smarter than Kendrick, which, again, he hasn't been looked at as smarter than Kendrick. Kendrick has clearly been looked at as whether I agree with it or you agree with it or not. He's been viewed at as the most conscious, smartest mainstream rapper, the deepest. Main he has a Pulitzer Prize. He has way more Grammys than Cole. He performs at the Grammys. Cole has never performed at the Grammys. Now, we don't know the reasons why Cole hasn't performed at the Grammys, but I'm just saying we know Kendrick has performed at the Grammys multiple times. He wins at the Grammys every single year. He has a post surprise, performed at the Super Bowl. Like he has like 
he's way more critically acclaimed. Like, Cole gets way more mixed reviews after every album from critics to fans or whatever. He gets criticized way more than, than Kendrick. So the fact that you were like, somehow trying to make him to be, be this, like, this victim of like, oh my God, Kendrick has been looked at as less smarter than J. Cole. Like, what are you talking about? And there was a lot of people on Twitter that was letting her know, like, that's not true. But I think the reason why she tweeted that is because she also didn't know that J. Cole went to college. So I'm I'm saying that because she might not know how rap conversation has been going for the past. Like she might just think think in her mind that Cole has been looked at as smarter than Kendrick. But she don't know rap enough to know that rap fans consider Kendrick to be the deep one. You know, consider Kendrick to be the the, you know, uh, you know, just a deep, complex rapper and and mainstream hip hop. She might not know that. So that's why she tweeted as if it's the other way around when, you know, it is what it is. I just thought that that was not even funny, but just like I was just so annoyed by just saying that because there's so many tweets. You could just lie. I'm about to just start lying on Twitter just so I could go viral myself. I'm about to just start tweeting anything, you know. But yeah, um, uh, I, I think the next thing I, I want to talk about is the NBA playoffs. The NBA playoffs. Uh, hold on. Uh, the NBA playoffs. So we just had yesterday a great uh Boston Celtics. Well, no, no, no. It wasn't yesterday. That was a couple of days ago. Well, we could touch on that series right now. The Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks about to go down game four tonight. I'm definitely interested to see what happens. Um, Milwaukee's up 2-1 right now. Jason Tatum was horrible. Man, he was horrible. I can't even really, like, like obviously, obviously the Bucks definitely have talent on the defensive side of the ball. They have guys that can get it done on that end. But what I will also say is, though, it's like Tatum just has to get to his spots and just be more aggressive. I would say post guys up more, like, a lot of the guys they put on him, he's taller than, and I think he could, you know, get his way to like getting some layups and drawing some fouls and get himself going. Um, Jalen Brown has kind of been up and down all playoffs, so this isn't really what I'm like surprised by. I can see him dropping thirty again tonight. I actually anticipate for the Celtics to win tonight. Um, but yeah, this series has been amazing. This is like a great back and forth. Where, like each game, I expect to go to the very last couple of minutes. This is peak. This is peak playoff basketball right here. Like Giannis is just incredible. I thought Drew Holiday hit some big shots. You can't expect Drew Holiday to be this efficient scorer, scoring twenty five, thirty. Like he could give you twenty five, but is it going to be a pretty twenty five? Most likely not, especially against a very good Boston Celtics team. But you know he's getting it done right now. I had the uh, Bucks coming out the East before the playoffs started, so I'm going to just stick to the Bucks winning this series, but the Celtics could very well win this. They could very well win the next couple of games. Like, this is that kind of series. Um, I do respect for them to win tonight. I think a big thing for the Celtics tonight was to, obviously, J- Jason Tatum has to look like a superstar right now. You know what I mean? But outside of that, I think a big key to this series would be how well do they, again, shoot the three, you know, on top of shooting threes, could they somehow, like, Giannis is going to, no matter what, his stat line is going to be very well. But how exactly is those points, you know, getting done? Are they easy baskets? Are they, you know, in the rhythm of the offense? 
you know, he could drop 35, for example. But when you watch the game, is that 35 happening? Like, is it scattered throughout the game? Is it just one dominant quarter? Is it like, you know, because maybe Giannis has a dominant second quarter. But if you can really make him struggle in the second half, I think that's important for, for the Celtics. Like, 35 is just what he's going to get. You have nobody has really nothing to really stop Giannis from dropping 35, to be honest. So it's like he's going to get that. But what do you do to, like, scatter out those points? What do you do to, like, disrupt those points? Or, like, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm really interested to see how well do they shoot the three because Boston could go really cold shooting the three. That's one of the things that could hurt them, I guess, a team like the Warriors or, or like, the, the Suns or something like that. Like, sometimes while they have an amazing defense, if the Warriors are hot, if the Suns are hot in the finals, can the Celtics fire back? Like, they really rely a lot on Jason Tatum, which he's become a great scorer, and Jalen Brown is still a very good scorer, but, man, they can easily get, like, Tatum isn't a great three-point shooter. Jalen Brown, I wouldn't call him a great three-point shooter. Marcus Smart, I wouldn't call him a great three-point shooter. Like, how many marksmen do you really have from three? Um, so that's kind of like one, one of their pitfalls or whatever. Um I wouldn't be surprised. It's just a random throw out there. I wouldn't be surprised if Marcus Smart somehow has like a big game. Like he's he's kind of due for like a big a big game or whatever. You know what I mean? He's he's kind of due for that. Um, I will say so. Yeah, that game will be very interesting tonight. I want to also touch on that uh, Philly Miami series. That's an interesting series right there too. That's an interesting series too. Uh, hold on. Hold on. That's a very uh, interesting series as well. I will say it's been interesting to just see how different, like, how different Philly is with, like, Embiid out there. I love to see it. I love to see how interesting they've been with uh, Embiid out there. Um, what I've been seeing from them is kind of what I, I've been expecting, right? I want to give Tobias his credit, man. So, Tobias low-key hasn't been getting fully his credit for what he's been doing. Like, not because, like, by the way, I'm not saying he should get, like, top news, headline news credit, but he's been pretty solid for him, right? You know, and for a guy that's been, you know, struggling sometimes in the playoffs previous seasons, for him to be more solid this season, it, it, it is, like, finally, like, finally you're out there doing what you're supposed to be doing. Like, but, I'll, you know, give him his credit, man. Give him his, you know, his credit. Um, I would say about this series, come on, let Ducker Robinson out there, man. As a Michigan, like, basketball fan, like, let Ducker Robinson out there. Let him go out there and cook. Let him go out there and just, you know, I don't know, because he is, okay, I get it from both sides. Like, Spolstra doesn't want to put him out there, and I understand it, because, like, he is not good on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but, man, like, give him 15 minutes maybe. Like, come on. Like, I, I don't know. Miami Heat fans, hit me up and let me know. How how exactly do you guys feel about that? Like, how exactly do you guys feel about that, to be honest? Like, do you feel like he should be sitting? Do you feel like it's unfair? Feel like it is fair? Because the national media feel like it's a problem. But... But like maybe, you know, it's it it is what it is to you. You know what I mean? Because definitely, 
It'd be teams like that for me where like people would be like, why is he out there? But I'm like, well, there's a reason why he's not really out there. Like, it's a reason why, you know, he's not out there. You know, so I don't know. I don't know. Sorry, I'm getting a little distracted right here. Typically, I don't, but I just had to just check on my phone real quick. Phone blowing up and stuff. But, um, yeah, so game five in Miami, that's game. To be honest, I think whoever wins game five is going to win the series. I don't see the series going seven. For whatever reason, I just don't see the series going seven. I feel like if Miami win game five, they will win game six in Philly. If Philly win game five, I think, oh, you know what? Something about Philly and just James Harden, I just don't trust. I was about to say, if Philly win game five, I think they'll win game six. I just don't trust them guys. I don't know. But it's an interesting series. It's been fun to watch. Seeing James Harden go off like that was, isn't it crazy to say, seeing James Harden go for 30 was kind of nostalgic? Is that the right way to just say it right now? Um, But hopefully he's out there playing well. Because I think that makes the series way more interesting. And I think Embiid deserved to get some help. Um, by the way, speaking of Embiid, before we move on to the Suns in Dallas, I've been, you know, Jokic has just been announced as the MVP of the NBA this season. Congrats to Jokic. Don't have really no real big opinion to say about it. But, you know, congrats to Jokic. <laughs> I mean, you know, in the history of the game, to see, you know, multiple... Um, they see multiple, you know, back, you know, usually you got the Michael, the Magic, Larry Bird, Steph, LeBron, Tim Duncan, just to name a few back-to-back MVPs. For Jokic to be up there, I will say, people are being a little too unfair to Jokic because last year he definitely deserved it, in my opinion. And by the way, just because he wins two MVPs back-to-back doesn't mean he has to be a, a top 20 player in the history of the game. He could just really just those two seasons deserve those MVP awards. Like, no matter how you feel about Steve Nash and those MVP awards, he, Steve Nash, in my opinion, doesn't have to be on Kobe's level all time to to have to be deserving of his two MVP. Maybe just those two seasons for, for Steve Nash was just amazing seasons for Steve Nash where he won the award. I don't think you have to have the longevity career of, of NBA legends to have to win two back-to-back MVPs. I, I just think that's just kind of foolish. And that's the that's the popular thing to say right now. Like, oh, man, Jokic isn't on Michael Jordan, LeBron uh, level, so he doesn't really deserve that back-to-back MVP. Like, are you serious right now? Like, I don't know. I, I just think it's just unfair. I think dude deserve both MVPs. That's just my, my take on it. If I have to give an MVP and there's a plane flying, hopefully you do not hear that plane flying. Um, but... Um, my pick was Giannis to win the award. I just thought Giannis, what he was doing, he was the best player throughout the season, in my opinion. Impacted the game the best on defense, in my opinion, out of, you know, Jokic and the beat. But I'm not mad at Jokic getting the award. I just had to defend Jokic a little bit on that. I'm not the biggest Jokic fan, but I'm a basketball fan, and I love to watch him play. So, you know, I just had to say that. I'm not a Jokic fan, by the way. I'm not. But I'm just a fair basketball washer. I'm a smart, fa- uh, fair basketball washer. Um, but the Suns and the Dallas Mavericks, man, this series, granted, I did say after game two, like, I just don't know how Dallas is going to respond. I was one of those people that was worried for Dallas. I'm like, man, the defense, it was mainly a defense thing. I I saw, you know, Finney Smith and Jalen Brunson playing better at home. I, I saw that coming. But, 
the defense and how well they've been like they've clearly made a adjustment. Salute to Jason Kidd. I think in his future he could possibly win a Coach of the Year award. Um by the way, salute to Monty Williams winning that Coach of the Year award. He deserved it. But uh yeah. But yeah. Um but they clearly made a adjustment on the defensive side of the ball. I think what they've been doing in terms of like way better at closing out. I think they've been way better at trying to stay in front of guys. Like the Suns have been clearly just easy, easily getting to the rim, doing whatever they want. Let me just drive to the rim, da 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 da, and just like they've been doing better at defending on the perimeter. I'm not about to say Lucas has been locking guys up. He hasn't been. That's that's false. But they've been better on the perimeter side of the ball uh, defensively, and they've been hot from three. I, 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 it might have been a blessing in disguise for Luka to not have it going the way he didn't have it going in game four. Because if Luka was hitting shots over and over again, while Luka can, he's a superstar, he can take over a game and win it. So they might have won regardless, you know, uh, last game, because the role players like Jalen Brunson, Finney Smith had it going. But on top of them, if Luka has it going, maybe they clearly win the game as well that way. But I say it might have been a blessing in disguise because if Luka has it going, maybe those passes, because he made extra passes, like an extra swing pass for a three. He might have not made that pass if he had it going. You know what I mean? He might have not made that pass if he was hitting every three and step back and then going off or whatever. But... Game five will be very – Dallas got a shot. I'm still going to stick to the Suns win this series. I, you know, that home court advantage, that Phoenix crowd is low-key, might be the best crowd right now in the NBA right now. So I just – Chris Paul, he, he got to get it together. He's showing his age right now. He's showing his age because five points, six fouls, and the fouls are legit fouls. This not me being like – if you don't know me, I'm not a big Chris Paul fan like that. I respect that he's one of the greatest point guards ever. I'm just not that big of a fan of him and how he just does certain things to try to manipulate. Everybody flops pretty much, granted. But Chris Paul, I don't know. He's just a certain way he just tries to get over on, on you know, the officials and try to do just dirty stuff. Like, plenty of history of him being a dirty physical player. But, and it's weird because it's not like it's out of, you know, a uh, retaliation he just does it like he just does slick foul shit or whatever i don't know i don't know but chris paul has to be better he has to make him have some type of impact on the game whether he doesn't have to drop 25 30 but he has to have some impact on the game playmaker wise defensively has to make some impact on the game mainly just with his playmaker i think that's one of the things that was missing like outside of Devin Booker, nobody else was eating on the team. And if Chris Paul is going to be the playmaker that he says that he is, then he has to play make for other guys and be that impactful point guard on the team. So that's what I would say about it. But outside of that, I would say the next series I want to talk about is the Golden State Warriors and the Memphis Grizzlies. Game three was an interesting game. I think the Warriors just handled business. <clears throat> I think Wiggins going off the way, I want to say going off, but starting off the game as well as he started in that first quarter was very, very important for the Warriors. Very important for the Warriors. Um, because, like, people don't, don't understand, like, basketball is a four-quarter game. Like, they understand it, but they don't really understand it. I, maybe because you just don't really, you know, have experience playing basketball or whatever. But, like, 
somebody going off like that in in the first quarter or like the second quarter, for example, and Wiggins didn't, didn't necessarily go off, but he had a very good first half. It could impact the game to where the Warriors are up by eight points at halftime, but if Wiggins doesn't score those points, excuse me, in the first uh, quarter, in the second quarter, maybe maybe that that halftime score is different. And maybe Memphis feels better about themselves going into the third. Like, basketball really is it's so back and forth. It's so much momentum-based, like, so much. So, like, certain guys, whether it's a role player hitting a few big threes or whatever, it could really impact the game. Like, the first half points affect how teams come out in the second half. Like, the Warriors clearly in the third quarter, I don't know what goes on in that, in that locker room. I think whenever there's a documentary on the Warriors, I'm calling for them to talk about the third quarter. What do they talk about at, at, at halftime? I do know there's a story of, like, Steph looking at Twitter at halftime. So that's very funny and, like, interesting. <laughs> that's very funny and, like, interesting. You know what I mean? That's definitely uh, funny and, like, interesting how, you know, he, like, looks at Twitter. That's so real, you know what I mean, like, to be honest. But back to the series, I would say Wiggins definitely played well. His rebounding, the Warriors have been killing them on the boards. You know what I mean? Uh, they, they've been killing them on the boards, and that's been the most surprising part of this series. Job going off is not surprising, right? Um, But... That's been, like, the most surprising part of this entire series, I would say. Like, I did not see that coming at all. That was, like, the Warriors, like, legit, obvious, you know, weakness. Like, the fact that they... The fact that they, you know, don't really got, like... Steph tries to help on rebounds. That's why Otto Porter Jr., as somebody that's been watching the Warriors a lot this this regular season, I've been saying Otto Porter has to help hit those threes. He had a couple of shots in the uh, uh, last game because I don't know what happened to his jumper. Like, Otto Porter could shoot threes. Now he hasn't been hitting nothing lately. But um, rebound the ball well. And on top of that, just, you know, be that energy. And he's been helping on the boards. Um, and Wiggins, man, his hustle and stuff, like, I think they're going to keep him. Granted, I was talking about them trading him, you know, because, like, he was really, like, after the All-Star break, struggling. But now, even though he's not putting up 20 or 25 or 30, he doesn't have to. When Steph drops 30, when when Klay Thompson is a fish in 20, when Jordan Poole is a fish in 25-20, why would you need another 20? All you need is three guys to give you 20 points, you know, and you should be good. Because the Warriors can't play defense as well. So I think the most, you know, interesting part of the series as well is, you know, John Morant unfortunately getting injured. I thought that, you know, that sucked. You know, that that wasn't good. I will say, though, John tweeting out that broke the cold stuff and everything. Like, obviously, it was, it was a shot at Steve Kerr, I believe, more so than a shot at Jordan Poole. And I understand it, like, because Steve Kerr was definitely kind of gassing it a little bit on – you broke the code and you did this and that. You should have did this and you shouldn't have did this. You know what I mean? Like he was definitely doing that. So I, I understand it. I thought it was, you know, cool or like, you know, funny. Um, But come on, like, I don't think what Jordan Poole did was dirty. If that was dirty, do you have to call what, what Desmond Bain did was dirty? Desmond Bain, the ball is under Desmond Bain. He's still falling on Jordan Poole's leg. Like, 
this series has, has definitely been wild. It's been a, a wild series. <laughs> it's been a wild series. Once I saw Ja limping after the game, I knew he was going to miss game four. Now, I do believe he'll probably miss game five as well. He'll probably be back if there's a game six beater for game six. But then again, he might come back because it's like that Ben Simmons thing where if you're not going to come back now, why would you come back later? Like, if you're down 3-1, you have to come back for game five, right? So hopefully he is back, though, sooner than later. Um, but, yeah, Taylor Jenkins going out tweeting about he thinks Jordan Poole did. You know, he basically just gamesmanship and doing what Steve Kerr did. I'm not that mad at it. You know what I mean? It is what it is. He's just defending his his uh, his superstar and want to, you know, see some, in their eyes, fair treatment. Because Dylan Brooks, they feel, I'm sure they feel like Dylan Brooks, what he did was not right. But they don't feel like it was dirty, and they obviously wouldn't want him to be suspended for Game 3, but he was suspended for Game 3. So they want Jordan Poole to be suspended for Game 4. We know what they're doing. They're not slick. They ain't low. You, we know what you're doing. We know what you're doing. Oh, my God, it's so loud. Hold on. Sorry about that. But, yeah. um. So, yeah, they ain't low. You know what I mean? It is what it is. Clay Thompson, uh, efficient 20. It's real funny. Like, we don't know what we're going to get. But while people have been saying Clay Thompson just isn't the old Clay Thompson, this kind of is the old Clay Thompson, though. Like, Clay Thompson has, has never just been lights out, super efficient throughout every game of the playoffs. I said last podcast, look at the finals. Clay Thompson NBA Finals history shows you right there. He's not this super consistent, like never, never messes up, never misses shots, doesn't ever be inefficient type of guy. Like he, he, he sometimes is streaky. That's Clay. He's a shooter like that. Like it is what it is. But I anticipate for the Warriors to whoop the Grizzlies again in Game Four. I expect them to whoop them again in Game Four. This one might be different though. I feel like this one the Warriors might be way more up in the first half, and then. The third quarter is, is going to get nasty for the Grizzlies. It's going to get nasty. This is why when people point out, oh, the Grizzlies record in the regular season without John Morant, like, don't make a big deal out of that. Obviously, that could hurt John in his MVP race, which I think that's kind of crap because we see, again, like, okay, they win a lot of games without them in the regular season, but teams focus differently in the postseason. The Warriors are actually more healthy now. Steph, Clay, and Draymond is actually playing together now. Like, it's just different. Like, you just, in the playoffs, you need that unstoppable superstar to beat a great team. They need that. So, we'll see what happens. I, I expect Steph to go off. I expect Steph to probably go off at like 35. I, I'm not going to lie. Ha, you know, have a big score on night. Jordan Poole probably won't be as efficient as he was last game, game three, but I expect him to be very good this game as well. And yeah, I mean, I don't really know what the Grizzlies can really do. I think just really, really hope that you can knock down your threes. Hope that Jaren Jackson has a really, really good game. Dylan Brooks, I think he'll be motivated, obviously. Hope, hopefully, they hope that he could be the Steph Curry stopper, which that's kind of bullshit when you go through the history. He's not really that much of a Steph Curry stopper. But anyways, I'm sure they hope that he's a Steph Curry stopper. And yeah, um, it is what it is. We'll see what happens. I just suspect the Warriors to whoop him up. And then game five, same thing. Like, this series probably should be done in five. I'm not going to lie. But I said that about the Phoenix Suns. They're going to handle the Dallas Mavericks, and that's not happening. So we'll see. Um, I'll... I'm noticed real quick. Maybe I should just see because like every time the Bucks win, the Warriors win right after. So if the Bucks win tonight, I think 
if you're a Warriors fan, be confident that you're going to win, you know, this game tonight. Be confident. Um, and real quick, it was this tweet about how how basketball now, people don't watch the game for fun. They watch it to, like, slander these players. And it's so real. And I think it really comes from these sports shows. I think First Take and these ESPN talk shows every day, they've really made it to where we not even really watching it for fun. It's just... Because at the end of the day, you're going to lose. Steph is going to lose. LeBron is going to lose. KD, Harden, Luka, Trey, Devin Booker, they're all going to lose. They're all going to have bad games. It is what it is. That's what comes with playing at the highest level of basketball in the playoffs. You're going to lose, going to have bad games. But people don't want to watch the game for fun. They want these players to be perfect every game. If you're not perfect, just with Steph, Warriors lost game two. And we had to hear all types of Jordan Poole, the best player on the Warriors. Like, what? We had to hear all types of stuff. Uh, Steph Curry legacy and this and that. I understand there's a conversation of is Steph Curry top 10 all time? And a lot of people feel like he has to do more to be top 10 all time. I agree with that. But why are we having these conversations? Like, it's game three of the second round. Like, I can't, maybe if it was the finals and it's game six of the finals, okay, bet. Obviously, legacy talk is going to be there. But come on, like, are we serious? We know how people feel about Steph. He's one of the 20 greatest players in the history of the game to most people. Leave it at that. Like, every game, though, like, even with James Harden, I'm not that big of a James Harden fan, but, man, every game is legacy talk, legacy, legacy. Like, oh, my gosh, we know these guys' legacy. Let these guys finish the season and then maybe talk about their legacy and how different is it. You know, like, I don't know. It's just so annoying. So that tweet about how basketball isn't really looked at for fun. It's just to whoever loses, we're going to slander them. Like, why do every time somebody loses a series, do we have to slander them? Like, if the Grizzlies lose to the the Warriors, why do we have to slander Ja? Why do we have to slander the Grizzlies? If the Suns lose, I get it would be very surprising, but why do we have to just slander, and I'm not a Chris Paul fan, like I've said, I'm far from a Chris Paul fan, but why do we have to slander these guys? Like, I don't know. It's just a question to ask. I'm not asking for the basketball world to be super positive and hunky-dory. I think that would kind of be boring and just unrealistic of me to expect that, but come on, at a certain point, we have to get to a different like uh, point in basketball to where we just really watching the game for fun. Whoever wins, obviously we praise them, but whoever loses, we can critique them, talk about what they should have did better, but not joking and clowning them 24-7 every time somebody loses. Like it's it's a guarantee. Whoever loses is gonna get crazy outlandish jokes, gonna get unnecessary talk segments, talk segments on first take. We're gonna get unnecessary segments on Undisputed on all these Fox Sports shows, like, I don't know. It's just annoying. It's just annoying, bro. It's just annoying. But that's about it. This might be my longest episode, to be honest. Um, I just had to talk on the Jack Harlow, how bad that album was. Talk about Kendrick, how good that single was, but how maybe it's a little overhyped. And I'm still excited for the album. How crazy that tweet was about how Cole has been looked at as more insightful than Kendrick when that's not true. I had to talk about the... You know, Miami, Philly, James Harden somehow looking like James Harden. By the way, Harden ain't going to be looking like that regularly. I saw a Bleacher report, James Harden is back. And that was cute. I'm not going to really hate on it. You know what I mean? But he's not back. He's going to be back to being, first of all, he wasn't really all that. 
I don't want to be that guy because I'm not always talking about numbers and efficiency. But he wasn't really all that efficient anyways in that game that he came back or whatever. So whatever. But have to talk about that. Dallas, Phoenix, that series is going to be amazing. That kid should have got his ass kicked by Chris Paul. I don't know if for sure he did what they said that he did, touching his wife and his mother. But if he did, I would be cool if, like Charles Barkley said, come down to the court and get your ass with one-on-one. Like, but anyways, yeah, this has been another episode. Thank you for listening. I definitely uh, I definitely appreciate you, you guys for listening. The numbers are going up each episode, so I'm going to just continue to provide you with content. I'll probably be giving another episode in the next few days. Certainly when Kendrick dropped this next album, this up this uh upcoming Friday, I'll be, you know, giving my thoughts and my reactions on the album. Excited. So yeah, Twitter, new J N U J A Y Y Y, three Y's on that. And yeah, for more opinions, can just follow that. You know, interact with me, ask me any questions about life, music, relationship, basketball, obviously, because I talk that a lot. Rap music, because I talk that a lot on my timeline. But yeah, um, thanks for listening and we out.